the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Friday morning. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Collado and David Dawson. Happy Friday. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. Woo-hoo. That's right. Last day of summer. Woo-hoo. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it is. Time to kick the heat in the teeth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's oh right. Get your, get your cocoa out okay. and your uh, sweaters. Oh, and, yeah. You know. I am so ready, you guys. <laughs> yeah, like, don't do pump. that pumpkin spice stuff, yeah. please. It's okay. been yeah, out. Oh, it's, right, it's been out for days, weeks. It's all right, you guys. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, 95 degrees and she's Celebrate. got pumpkin spice. Oh, okay. and everything's You guys, nice. life is short. It's going to be hot anyway. <laughs> Celebrate life. <laughs> Okay. If you like it, do it. I will. I will. Yeah. Today, yes. by the way, is the feast day of St. Lorenzo Ruiz and his companions, and also St. Maurice. And we're going to say a little prayer uh, in, in honor of St. Lu- uh, Lorenzo. So okay. let's do that to get our show started. And then we'll continue to chit-chat with you throughout the morning. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. O most merciful and almighty God, you bestowed as gift to Lorenzo Ruiz the strength to withstand the overpowering forces of death for the sake of his faith in you. Through his prayer, help us to follow his example by overcoming all of life's trials and eventually increase our hope and love in you. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is the way I see it. Sometimes it's 80 degrees at Christmas. Does that mean I'm going to stop celebrating Christmas? No. no. I'm going to keep going. No. So anyway. But you can still you know, like you guys, pit, I, put on your shorts you, and, uh, <laughs> it, and enjoy yourself. They, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we have a wonderful lineup for you today. We're starting off with some events in our listening area. We will give you details about that is coming up at 10 after. You can find all of these events at our website at ccmedia.live. In 18 minutes, Dr. Jill Fruge joins us. She's a Catholic wife and mother. And today we're talking about surviving back to school routine with after school activities. So it's September, we're in that routine. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little hectic at the moment. We're gonna have that conversation and maybe get some insights from Dr. Fruge. In 35 minutes, Gina Marie Tennant joins us. She's a Catholic author. And today she's talking about the book, An American Little Flower, Blessed Miriam Teresa. So we will talk a little bit more about her. And in 48 minutes, we welcome back Father Dwight Longenecker. He's a pastor over at Our Lady of the Rosary Catholic Church in Greenville, South Carolina. And today he's talking about his new book, There and Back Again, A Somewhat Religious Odyssey. So we love having conversations with Father Dwight. Oh, he's yes. actually joined us in studio before. 
um, and a great conversation with him. So looking forward to today's guests and Damien, looking forward to a wonderful weekend. Yes, and it will be a wonderful weekend to say the least. If you've enjoyed this week, you're going to get plenty of the same, not only today, but through Sunday. Uh, as uh, fall approaches, we got a high of 93, low of 71, less than a 5% chance of rain. Mm. And the weekend is going to be a carbon copy of today with Again, the high in the low 90s. Come Monday, though, we have a forecast of about a 40% chance of rain. Oh, good. Uh, we could use that. Yeah. It won't probably stick around for very long, but a little rain doesn't hurt. And the high is going to be in the 90s, low somewhere around the low 70s. Baton Rouge, 74 degrees right now. Elsewhere, it's 72 on the North Shore. And Gulfport, it's 74. Home and Thibodeau reporting 75 degrees. And in the Crescent City warming up already to 78 degrees so there's your temps and your forecast go out and make it a good one it is almost five after the hour we have your gospel and reflection coming up and some events we want to share with you on this friday morning on wake up today's gospel comes to us from luke chapter 8 Jesus journeyed from one town and village to another, preaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Accompanying him were the twelve and some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward Chusa, Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. We've heard the gospel, and now we reflect. Today's gospel speaks of the faithful women who accompanied Jesus and attended to his and the apostles' needs. They remained close to Jesus for four reasons. One, they wanted to show their gratitude because he had cured them from diseases and delivered them from demons. Two, they cling to the heavenly physician because they know he would protect them from attacks by demons. Three, They knew that Jesus would guide them to holiness by his preaching, example, and companionship. And four, most important, they ardently love Jesus. Several of the church fathers taught that the seven demons Jesus expelled from Mary Magdalene represented the seven capital sins, pride, avarice, gluttony, lust, anger, envy, and sloth. In other words, Satan had complete possession of this Mary who, when she was freed from the tyrannical clutches of demons, gave herself completely to Jesus. She's a great witness of the power of repentance and grace. Would that we all love Jesus with the passion of Mary Magdalene. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's treasure, was rich. Her love for Jesus prompted her to give financial support to the disciples. Similarly, in ancient Rome, Saints Flavia, Lucy, Priscilla, and Prudencia, and other noblewomen supported St. Peter and Paul and the the Apostolic Church in Rome. Susanna, whose name means lily in Hebrew, was also a supporter of the early church. Early Christian writers speak of her as a distinguished woman who was healed by Jesus and then became his disciple and patroness. They speak of the purity and the fragrance of her life, which matches her name. St. Bede spoke of the golden fervor of her love for the Lord. 
May we follow the example of these holy women who also stood courageously by Jesus on Calvary. Have a wonderful day. This is Jimmy Sagers. Thank you, Jimmy Sagers and Father Chris Decker. By the way, uh, Jimmy's going to be speaking uh, come Monday night at uh, St. Peter's Catholic Church in Covington. It's his final talk of a three-part series, this one entitled, I Will Be With You Always. It's part of his uh, mystery of the incomprehensible love of Jesus Christ, and it's uh, part of a three-part series, as I said. Seven o'clock is when it starts, St. Peter's Catholic Church. Uh, Even if you miss the first two, you'll love this last one. So uh, go and see Jimmy and uh, be inspired at the same time. There you go. There you go. Little emphasis awesome. on that. Yeah. I've been to his talks, by the way, uh, when when he had a series of talks at Our Lady of Mercy. And so, if you miss one, you're, it's never like yeah, you, you know, you have to have them in order or anything like that. Out of context, still works fine. Exactly, yeah. it's good stuff. Very good. Mm-hmm. Well, we are just really days away. Well, I would say a couple of weeks away from our fall pledge drive. It's coming up October 3rd through the 5th. That's a Tuesday through Thursday. From 7 to 10 a.m., we will bring you guests live to help us raise money to keep our studios on the air and to continue to broadcast Catholic radio. So if you're listening to us right now, it's because of listeners like you that have donated. So please help us during these three days by donating, and we'll give you the number to call in, or you can donate online. We are 100% donor funded. Mm-hmm. So save those dates, October 3rd through the 5th. Amen. We okay. need that. Yep. There's a new mm-hmm. Bible study at um, St. Catherine of Siena. It's Genesis to Jesus, and it's October 17th. And what is it? Where? What? It starts with what is the Bible? Where does it come from? What's its purpose? How are Catholics supposed to read the Bible? And what story does it tell? That's a lot to cover there. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. These are important questions, and they're answered in this Genesis to Jesus. So you learn the basic Catholic principles for reading Scripture, and uh, to uh, survey the broad outlines of the books of the Bible and their place in the story of salvation. And so you can go to the classes Tuesdays or Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to noon, and it's at the Malossal Center at St. Catherine of Siena in Metairie. For more information, just go to ccradio.live. All righty. And, you know, Holy Family Parish and Past Christiane, they are going to have a family parish healing service that's coming up this coming Wednesday, September 27th at the church. Uh, It'll be a night of adoration, prayer of deliverance, sacrament of reconciliation, the anointing of the sick, and there's also going to be one-on-one pastoral counseling. So it's it's mm. really an all-encompassing evening. It starts at 6.30, again, at Holy Family Catholic Church in Past Christiane. Very cool. Well, Blessed Francis Xavier Silo's Healing Mass will take place on Sunday, October 8th at 1 p.m. for an English-speaking Healing Mass at 3 p.m., for, oh, the English Mass is at 1 p.m. The Vietnamese Mass is at 3 p.m., and that's going to be at St. Mary's Assumption Church. Please note that they plan to have a cross touched by Father Silos available for blessings at the Mass. That's you can go to ccmedia.live for more information. Beautiful, beautiful. And St. John the Evangelist Parish in Prairieville is having their Family Fun Day October 2nd. For families with special and exceptional needs, there'll be food, crafts, games, inflatables, a pumpkin patch, Damien, and more. 
Tell Gabby about the pumpkin, pumpkin. patch. That's right. I've it's, already it's, been it's, told. She's the pumpkin I spice my, queen. I love pumpkin patches. Uh, You're so happy. She just so loves pumpkins. Halloween, it sounds like. You're it's just a big fan Halloween. of Halloween. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're scaring me, Gabby. Okay, well, that's no. all right. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's I don't dress up as Souls anything Day, scary. Right? It is. It's yeah, so there you go. It gets us ready for All Souls Day. By the way, Catholic Man Night is also coming up November 8th. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, you may want to do so in the next week or so because it's filling up fast uh, we will have a night that you'll remember mike fulmer mm-hmm. is going to be our speaker he is the owner of berryland campers also john Fols is putting together a spread and when i say a spread it, it is, is called a, a, a strolling buffet you yes. get to stroll the grounds and eat at the same time then we all gather together under the pavilion outdoors and we'll hear the guest speaker We'll enjoy some food, drink, and there's going to be an auction, including a live auction, that you will be able to partake in. Tickets are only $125 per person. Uh, Go online to ccmedia.live. Look for the registration button and get your ticket today. You might want to hurry. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully you don't have to hurry up yet on this Friday morning. It's 15 after, though. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for September 22nd. Today we celebrate St. Lawrence, Ruiz, and Companions. An accusation of murder against today's saint changed the course of his life and indirectly led to his martyrdom. Lawrence Ruiz was born in Manila in 1600. Educated by the Dominican friars, he was an altar server as a boy and joined the Confraternity of the Most Holy Rosary as an adult. A professional calligrapher, for several years Lawrence and his wife Rosario lived a quiet, peaceful life with their three children. Whether or not local authorities had good reason to connect him with a homicide is unclear, but the threat of arrest led Lawrence to steal away to Japan in 1636 with several Dominican missionary priests. All were arrested shortly after arriving in Japan and transported to Nagasaki, where many Catholics were being persecuted. Along with the Dominicans and other prisoners, Lawrence was subjected to unspeakable tortures. In September 1637, they were hanged upside down and tightly bound to slow circulation and prevent a speedy death. The first Filipino martyred saint, Lawrence Ruiz, and his companions were canonized in 1987. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. Wow, what a story about our scene of the day. <laughs> right. That's pretty Ooh. gruesome, yeah. but we pray for hope he prays for us. We'll pray for him. Uh, and I love learning more about saints that I didn't know about, so that's something new. Um, looking forward to speaking to our next guest, Dr. Jill. She's actually our first guest for today. She's a Catholic wife and mother. And we're talking about the back-to-school routine, surviving it. And, of course, now we add on the extracurriculars and the after-school activities, and it gets crazy. So we're going to talk to Dr. Fruget today about some tips on what we can do to keep the sanity and do it gracefully and in a positive way. Good morning, Dr. Fruget. Thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so we're at the end of September. 
we're in the swing of things, we're, we're doing it, you know, uh, we're in the routine, but w- things are getting a little crazy, you know, we've signed up for things for our kids, after school sports, after school activities, it can get a little crazy out there. How can we do it with grace and positivity and gratefulness, knowing that uh, this is something that our Lord gave to us as a gift for our family? Uh, absolutely. I was actually talking to someone the other day who said, how are y'all doing? I said, you know what? We've made it a month and we're all still <laughs> good and happy. So, so yeah. far I call it a success. Um, but, you know, I was about a month ago when school started, I was having some morning prayer time and came across a verse in Psalm 52 that just really caught my attention. And um, it says that I like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. Um, And I just thought about that image of an olive tree and how that olive tree is surviving in like a harsh, dry environment. And for me, Mm. the fall of return to school is a harsh, dry environment (laughs) to try to flourish in. And so um, I was thinking about that a lot. And I thought the first thing that that olive tree does is it sends root deep to soak in the living waters of God. And so I think um, for all of us, um, but especially in the busyness of this time of the year that we need to make sure we're drinking from the living waters of God, make sure that we have a regular prayer life, that we're reading scripture, that we're visiting the sacraments, that we're finding some time to spend um, time with the Lord in adoration, um, that we're praying with our children and praying with our husband Mm -hmm. and maybe even praying as a family. Um, our, Our family has a little tradition of Literally, the minute before we walk out the door, we walk out at 7 o'clock. And so at 6.59, we just call for a huddle. And all the kids who are in the house come in a huddle. And um, we say just a quick prayer that we can see Christ in others and be Christ to others. And wow. right now, we're trying to memorize some of the psalms. And so we just repeat it. Uh, there's a psalm written on a chalkboard in our kitchen. And we repeat it together as a group. And we change it every month. Um, and it just, I mean, it's. 60 seconds probably, but it just helps us to rely on the grace of God and invite Him into our day, Um, and it it really can make all the difference. Um, The second thing that I've thought about with this olive tree is, I don't know if you've ever seen an olive tree, but the the trunk of it is really misshapen and chaotic. Mm -hmm. It, like, has all of these shoots that are going down to the ground. And um, and I was looking at that image of it, and I thought, you know, that is what this time of the year feels like for me. Like, it's just chaotic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the devil sometimes, like, makes us focus on the chaos of our life. Like, yeah. if you're in the midst of it all, and you're trying to get into a rhythm, and you're like, this does not feel like peace. And the devil tries to convince us that because it's chaotic, and busy that God can't be found there. And Mm -hmm. I think in the busyness of family life, like we have to guard ourselves against that and know that if you have discerned something in the peacefulness of prayer, that don't doubt that when the chaos and the busyness sets in. Obviously, go back to prayer and make sure that's still what God's calling you to, but like rest in the fact that the Prince of Peace is not afraid of some chaos. Okay, and mm-hmm. he can still bring some <laughs> peace and rhythm through that, and just to like hang in there with it. Um, yeah. And and then one third thing that I've thought about when when I thought about this image of a olive tree flourishing in the house of God is that the olive tree provides a ton of shade. And I think it's important mm-hmm. that as moms and as women um, we find some time to rest. 
and take care of ourselves, whether it's, you know, 10 minutes of exercise in the morning, whether it's making time to do something that we love. Like I love to bake cookies with my kiddos. So finding mm-hmm. time to, um, you know, grab a couple kids and get our hands dirty in the kitchen making cookies. Um, but also finding time to rest with our kids and check in with them and see how they're doing and provide shade and rest for them because that feeds our mom's heart so much and gives us grace yeah. to persevere um, even in sometimes this dry, harsh season of life. Yeah. I love how you have a theme of gratitude, especially when starting your day off. They're going to school all day, whether it's eight to three or two, you know, seven thirty to two thirty. They're there all day. They're they're interacting with other kids, they're at, interacting with adults and having that mindset of gratefulness starting off on the right foot. Of course, not every day is going to be like that. But I heard a quote from Aaron Franco that we were playing on Catholic Mom Minute about a year or two ago about having a grateful heart for putting your child into a school or if you have the ability to homeschool, you know, being grateful for that ability or even being grateful to have the funds or the availability to put your child in a sport or an extracurricular activity. It's something that sometimes I think we do not think about, but God has allowed all of that to happen and given opportunities for our family. So I think that that also changes your mindset as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being grateful for whatever season that you're in, and especially the busyness. Like, sometimes the busyness can be so good. It can allow you to yeah. grow in ways that you didn't know. Um, and, and sometimes it's hard. I, I know I have a few friends whose kiddos are starting school for the first time, and so sending their kids somewhere for the vast majority of the day can be very scary. But to be thankful that there are people who will care and love for your child And maybe Mm -hmm. give them some things that that they have gifts that you may not have. Um, I am not the most creative person in the world. And so my kids' teachers can definitely step in and help them in those areas (laughs) of their life to grow. And I am so grateful for the tribe that God has given me and my husband in raising our family. I know that one of the struggles or challenges, I would say is probably a better word when starting school is getting back into that routine. And it it took us probably a good month to really settle into a good routine and say, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't forget that one grocery item that I usually remember, or we didn't forget the lunchbox today. You know, we're kind of all remembering what it was like uh, a few months ago before summer. Can you talk about giving graces to ourselves when we kind of make mistakes or when our children forget, you know, the lunchbox or their laptop for the day or anything like that, we got to give each other some space and some forgiveness uh, when it comes to those oh, items. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I had several times the, at the beginning of the <laughs> school year where I was like, guys, mom really failed. But you know who won't <laughs> fail you? God. Um, yeah. but it's a good example of that. But, you know, to... In those moments, it's so easy to be hard on yourself and to be like, why didn't I remember this? Or, you know, to step in and try to save your kid from every little thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important that we we kind of um, pray about those things and to know, like, when do we need to step in and fix the situation? Or when do we need to let that child or ourselves experience the fact that, you know what, it's not perfect and it's not how we wanted it, but it's okay. And it doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change Mm -hmm. the value of your day and the value of you as a person and we're gonna you know learn from this and move on and maybe make some tweaks to our schedule or our routines and try to do better next time absolutely real quick we have about a minute can you give us some tips on how we can pray together as a family throughout the busyness 
Right. So I think taking advantage of every small moment, like I said, we have a quick huddle that lasts maybe 60 seconds in the morning, but it it is really grounds our family in prayer in the beginning of the day. Obviously praying um, with your family at mealtime. Um, we also like to pray before bed as a family um, just mm-hmm. to gather around and maybe sing a praise and worship song or, you know, um, Jesus loves me for our little kids when it's their turn to lead um, to just take that time to pause and bring God into your life. But also like last night, my daughter was having a hard time with homework and I just said, look, can we just pray real quick before we Mm -hmm. go on to figuring this out? Um, And just introducing the idea that God is present in every moment um, and it doesn't take a whole lot of fancy prayer. I love that. One of the things we do is say the St. Michael prayer before bed to protect our family throughout the night and throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And of course, thanking That's God beautiful. throughout the day. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. We could go on and on to talk about this topic, but I think the theme is grace and gratefulness. We can do it. And everyone is doing such a great job. Uh, and we thank God for all of the gifts he has, he has given us and opportunities. Thank you so much, Dr. Jill Frugier, for, for being with us me. today. Yes, these are some great tips. You too. You know, so many wonderful opportunities. I know we have a lot of homeschool parents listening, and that's such a beautiful thing to be able to stay home and to educate your children. I know we have a lot of working parents, single parents, you know, and and everyone is on their own path and journey, and they're doing a great job. So you're, I I just wanted to say that because it's hard. It can get really challenging sometimes. I I, I know the Fruges, and and I know Dr. Jill Mm -hmm. is a she's a doctor. I mean, these are very very busy people, and so for her to have that attitude and that peace, and that joy in raising kids, it it can be done in like in the midst of chaos. That's pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, and life goes by so quickly, so to enjoy as much as we can. But Mm -hmm. yeah, you guys, sometimes the days aren't done at 5.30, 6 o'clock. Right, (laughs) never. It keeps going. Oh, you got a project due tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Try to convince them 8.30 is bedtime or 8 (laughs) o'clock. No. It's a beautiful (laughs) moment. It's a beautiful thing when you look back. Looking back, Uh, back. yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) ma'am. Gina Marie Tennant joins us when we return from the break. We're going to be talking about Blessed Miriam Teresa. It is half past the hour on Wake Up. And happy Friday, everyone. 25 before the top of the hour here on Wake Up. With us now is our guest, Gina Marie Tennant. She is a Catholic author, but she is also an organist, a music teacher, and uh, also an artist. And how she finds time to write books like this, we don't know, but we're going to find out. She has a new book out entitled An American Little Flower, Blessed Miriam Teresa Demjanovich. Or Dem, Dem Genovic. I don't know, but uh, Gina Marie, does. which way is it? Is it Dem, Dem Genovic? Uh, it could be many ways. We want to go back to oh, she is Slovakian roots. Uh-huh. So then it would be very different. And we normally just Americanize it to like Dem Genovic or whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be offended if, if she was with us today, though, right? Uh, no, she wouldn't be. Okay. No, she would well, use to all different names. <laughs> Well, let's just jump right into this, because I know nothing about her. Uh, Just got the book and uh, was thumbing through it, and we'll get more into the book. But let's learn a little bit about uh, uh, Mariam Teresa. Well, she was born Teresa Demdanovich on March 26, 1901, in Bayonne, New Jersey. 
which is uh, very close to New York City. It's like in the harbor, just mm-hmm. out. And the, where she lived was there's a very much commerce. Um, it's actually oil refineries in that area, so okay. it was not exactly a peaceful area. Yeah, blue collar uh, to say the least. Yes, exactly. A daughter of immigrant parents from what is now Slovakia. Okay. Her parents were Byzantine Rite Catholics who took the faith very seriously. Uh, she's the youngest of seven children, five who lived to adulthood. Well, she was the only one. She never knew the other two. As a young child, just like St. Therese, the Little Flower, she started contemplating, didn't realize it was contemplating, but had this really strong spiritual life. She, at a, a childhood, realized, like, what is the essence of life? And she's like, okay, it's to do God's will, and just hmm. strove to do that and everything that she did. So she was a very good student. She was a fun playmate, but people didn't even realize what was behind her actions. Okay. Uh, when she was around 12, or 12 she read a biography of St. Teresa of Avila, which really inspired her. She wanted to become a Carmelite. Then as a teenager, she came across the story of a soul by um, now St. Therese. You know, she wasn't canonized at that point. And that also really inspired her. But she didn't have that much, besides she was very strong in scripture, but she didn't know that much else about, like, spiritual reading and stuff. And she... But um, so the Carmelites really inspired her because of that, and she, you know, wanted to follow that path. Um, and she a long time thought that sanctity was something like she had to kind of like become a religious, whatever. But also at the same time, through her own life, she started to discover that sanctity is where you are in life. You can take that and make that God is giving you the opportunities. Um, and if we earnestly, you know, seek to do His will and ask Him, you know, He longs to make us saints, and He longs to work through us. Mm-hmm. So she, you know, slowly she had to discover points. It was not always what she thought God wanted of her, but discovering what God actually wanted of her. And um, that led her down interesting paths, but in the end she did get her dream of becoming a religious. Okay. And, and yes. What, what? She died at a very young age. Well, it seems like 26 or 27, right? Hmm. 26. Yeah. And wow. She had an appendix, oh. but it was yeah. more than that. Oh. And they aren't even quite sure everything. Okay. So what impact did she make on so many people's lives for them to want to make her a saint? Well, sometimes, you know, it's the small things. And, well, her spiritual director had her write these conferences for the other novices that he gave. She was like a ghostwriter. Hmm. And everybody was thinking, like, wow, this person is such a saint, and you know, having no clue that it's one of the fellow novices who's written this. And she was you know, very, very humble about this all. She was just like, God is having me do this. I, you know, I'm doing my best. Let God, you know, work through these people. But that was after her death. He said, you know, I'm not the one writing this. This was... Your fellow sister Miriam Teresa, hmm. who wrote this, and that was one thing. There was actually um, two miracles really that happened at her funeral mass, 
and after that, people just started praying to her. And what share one or two of them if you don't mind? We still have a little time. I'd love to hear. I love to hear about miracles. I mean, as long as it's not uh, you know thirty minutes long. But if we've got about four minutes left, at least share one of them because I have a few more questions I want to ask you. Okay. Well, the first one was at her funeral mass. Her best friend uh, was praying. She, for, and she was like certain that she was, uh, you know, a saint. And I was just like, I know you're a saint. I know you're in heaven. Um, please cure me. And she had these two ailments at the point. One was a skin thing. The other was uh, another kind of whatever tumor problem. And she was like, and instantly she was cured hmm. at that point. Wow. So, um, and at that point, nobody had thought of. You know, putting her her process would someday be led to canonization, you know, beatification, whatever. So that stuff wasn't documented, right? So it never could be used. But those were the first two miracles. And since there are many different other miracles that have happened, and the miracle that actually was beatification happened along back in the 60s, but then stuff happened that prevented it, it's like got lost, et cetera, the papers for her to be beatified sooner. And I think that's because she's meant for this day and age, and that's why God wanted her to be beatified when she was beatified. And her beatification was almost 10 years ago, right? Yes, October 4th, 2014. It was the first beatification in the United States. Now they do in the diocese where the person lived. Yeah. They used to do it like in Rome or whatever. Right, but wow. it, 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 that in itself is somewhat of a miracle when you think about it, but they won't attribute that as one of the, are counting that as one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as uh, her, her canonization is going, what, where are you at in the process, or what do you know? Uh, they're waiting for another miracle. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, if there's another miracle, you know, you know an actual miracle, that, that's all she needs. Oh, okay. So everybody wow. get praying yeah. to her. Yeah, yeah here's sure. a, another thing <laughs> yes. I, I discovered was they there have been two church parishes that combined, and they are now the one church is named after her, right? Oh, wow. Yes, yes. Wow. Up in the areas where she lived. Yes. That is unique, though. That is. Uh, it is because, yeah. they, there, there must be a lot of followers up there in New Jersey, huh? Well, I mean, shouldn't there be? You know, she's the locust person yeah. and um, yeah. and she's also yeah. so American like in her writings you can tell she's it you know this is her country and even like her thoughts like she was a big baseball fan she <laughs> nice I mean she uh, I hope she big, didn't like I the Mets that. she probably liked well, the Mets well no, I'm talking oh, yeah. about playing baseball <laughs> oh okay. I know nothing about teams but she would play with her brother and his oh, friends oh good good baseball. as long as she's not very a good Mets at it. Fan. But anyway, uh, final minute. I have to ask you in in regards to the book itself. I love the way you wrote it. It's like little stories. It's not like a true, even though facts are incorporated, each chapter is like a little story about her. Well, yes. I wanted to show how St. Therese, the little flower, inspired her Ah. and make it like a story. And so then, as you see, you actually see St. Therese, like her process of can't, canonization, how that all comes through, and then the end, we're leading into Blessed Miriam Teresa's path to, you know, the end is beatification, mm-hmm. but it's to try to help the reader really understand that they, too, are called to sanctity. Sanctity is, you know, not something far removed. Each of us are called to sanctity, and God, 
longs to dwell within us. So that's something Blessed Mary Teresa wrote about, both the universal cause of holiness and the indwelling of the Holy Trinity. She's really big on both of them. Last but not least, 30 seconds, what got you interested in uh, Blessed Therese? Oh, Blessed Mary Teresa? Teresa, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Teresa. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was praying at her tomb, and when I, I had a talk up there, um, in it's Conversation, New Jersey, outside of Morristown. Um, I was just so inspired by her, and I really clicked with her. I was like, I can understand her. This is somebody I can relate to. She liked art, she liked writing, all that sort yeah. of awesome. stuff. Awesome. Nice. Well, Gina Marie Tennant, thank you so much for being with us, and thank you for writing the book and letting us know a little bit more about Blessed Miriam Teresa Demjanovich. I'll get it out eventually. <laughs> all right, folks, thank you again. It's Friday. 48 past the hour. You're tuning your heart to the truth. I am David Dawson, along with Damian Collado and Gabby Smith. And right now we have Father Dwight Longenecker is joining us. Uh, he has he is the pastor of Our Lady of the Rosary Catholic Church in Greenville, South Carolina. And we're going to talk about his book, There and Back Again, A Somewhat Religious Odyssey. I was about to introduce you as <laughs> Bilbo Baggins because uh, uh, <laughs> good, good morning, Father. How are you? <laughs> good morning. Uh, this this uh, reference uh, there and back again is if if anybody's ever read the Hobbit that's uh, it's the <laughs> Hobbit and it's there and back again and so Father I got to tell you this is one of the most unique conversion stories I think I've ever read and I got to tell you Father every time my wife walked in the room she would say what are you laughing at and I would say here you got to hear this and I would read it out loud to her this was a thoroughly enjoyable book Father. Good. Thank. Glad you enjoyed it. Well, yeah, and you picked up the reference to the Hobbit. Yeah, it's a, it's a habit. It's a habit of mine to actually choose uh, to borrow um, things from my favorite authors. Ah, okay, okay. And I mean, he was he was part of your journey as well. And what's what's even more amazing is how you started. You started at Bob Jones University in That's South right. Carolina. Talk ju- about that. Yeah. Um, Really, uh, before that, in an evangelical home uh, in Pennsylvania, and then uh-huh. went to Bob Jones after high school. Right. Uh, and because that was our sort of family school. Yeah. But, I, I mean, talk and it was there while I was in Bob Jones that I became an Anglican. Yeah. Uh, and got a, I came down with a serious illness called Anglophilia. <laughs> and, or the love of all things, the love of all things English. Yes, right. <laughs> and so, and really, it was the culture that drew you into the Anglican faith, right? Yeah, it was actually. It's a good observation. It was the culture, um, and I can remember while I was a student at Bob Jones reading all these great English writers. Right. And they were obviously Christians, uh, but they were not Baptists. And I said, well, what were they? You know, and it turned out they were Church of England, Anglican. And then we were allowed to go to a little Anglican church here in Greenville, uh, and that began, and that set me on the path to England. And you wound up in England, and then you, I mean, I guess it, 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 from what I could tell, you went through somewhat of a culture shock uh, uh, going through there. And then, uh, of course, they were getting used to you being an American. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, I was lucky, uh, blessed, actually, after Bob Jones to be able to study theology at Oxford. And, mm-hmm. of course, as somebody who was keen on C.S. Lewis and, and T.S. Eliot and, and uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, to go and study at Oxford was like a big dream. So... Uh, I plunged into English culture and English life, and of course, 
uh, I soon experienced that I was an American abroad, <laughs> and uh, I did I didn't necessarily fit in, but I wanted to fit in, so I did everything I could and managed eventually to, eventually to be ordained as a priest in the in the Church of England. I do remember wow. one part that I that I thought was uh, amazing is you said if you search out the confirmation records. Uh, they they had you listed as American, valid but irregular, very irregular. <laughs> so this is because this is because the little Anglican church that I was confirmed in here in the states uh-huh. was one of these Anglican breakaway churches, one of these Anglican schism churches. Okay, and so the Church of England, which is the mother church of all Anglicans, uh, looked at that the um, ordination uh, qualifications of the bishop who confirmed me and recognized him as being valid but irregular. And so I was also valid but irregular. Wow. <laughs> that, 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 that's something. And, and you know, you, you, you went on further talking about your journey into, the, in, into your faith, and you were talking about what you liked about the Anglican faith, what you dislike about the other faith, and, and, and there, was a, there was a quote that you had come across that said, a man is often right in what he affirms and wrong in what he denies. You pretty much hmm. repeated that to yourself throughout this whole entire d- journey, didn't you? Yeah, I came across that phrase when I was studying at Oxford, and it changed my life. Because, yeah. uh, therefore, I was uh, it, within the Anglican Church, I was continually being presented with things which were unusual to me from my fundamentalist background. Uh, and a lot of those things were, were taking my faith in a more Catholic direction. Yeah. And I would have had an anti-Catholic bias from my evangelical fundamentalist background. But that little saying, a man is most often right in what he affirms and wrong in what he denies, right. helped me to be able to have an open mind and say, well, let me see what I can affirm about this and then not try to deny all the time. That, that, that is pretty amazing, and I think that would apply to a lot of things that we all uh, go through in our own lives. You know, uh, but, but then realizing as you're there and as you're on this journey and everything how Catholic you really are, I guess that caused quite a struggle for you, didn't it? It did, yep. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm glad you appreciated the humor in the book. Oh, boy. I've read a lot of different <laughs> conversion stories, and I decided that I was not going to actually lay out all of the apologetics arguments for becoming a Catholic. Right. I've done that in a good number of my other writings. Instead, I wanted to share a more personal journey, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of it did involve some very humorous and eccentric individuals and some ad- adventures along the way. So I wanted to weave all of that into the tale. Well, it it, it, was, it was pretty amazing, all the different accounts, all the little towns that you had gone through. One of my favorite parts is your, your first visit to the monastery uh, and uh, just knocking on the old door, and it was during Lent, if I'm not mistaken. Can you, without giving too much away, could you tell that little story? It was during Lent in England. Uh-huh. And if you have, I, I say that if you've never experienced February in England, you never haven't really experienced Lent, because it's damp, it's dark, oh, it's raining sideways. Um, <laughs> your shoes are your shoes are squelching, and you walk you walk along, and you you can feel pretty really genuinely genuinely miserable. Right, and and, uh, and then uh, I think you said uh, you knocked on the door, and uh, pretty much Yoda answered the door. Right, I mean it was like. <laughs> the gentleman yeah. answering the door and, and not speaking, just motioning you in. I mean, I can only imagine what went through your mind <laughs> as you're going yeah, through this monster. Kind of the, the, the monk was a kind of Yoda lookalike. Yeah. And he just opened oh, the door no. with a solemn, a solemn expression and ushered me in. Oh, <laughs> wow. 
That is wonderful. And, and also, Father Dwight, I think the other part that uh, uh, took me aback, you, you're married, you have children because you were an Anglican priest. Your wife married an Anglican priest who then is now saying, I need to convert to the Catholic faith. That <laughs> in itself, uh, I mean, you, you, you have a heck of a family and a, and a beautiful wife to go on this journey with you. Yeah, I was blessed to be able to marry to be married after I was an Anglican priest, and then uh, it's through something called the pastoral provision. Rome has made an allowance for bishops to apply for a dispensation from the vow of celibacy for right. men like myself mm-hmm. who convert to the Catholic faith from other uh, denominations. This book explains wow. it beautifully. Uh, I can't recommend it enough for anybody to read. You will be thoroughly entertained at the same time. I know I was enlightened at the same time. It, it explains so much. Love conversion stories. Uh, Father, before we let you go, could you give us a blessing? Yeah, absolutely. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you his peace this day and always. In the, and may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and all of all whom you love. Amen. Father Dwight Longenegger, thank you so much. And uh, looking forward to talking to you again and reading more of your, of your books. Okay, God bless all you folks down in Louisiana. All right. Take care. He's great. What oh a great book. What a great book. <laughs> what a great guy, too. I mean, he's been here with yeah. us before. He, he, was, he was in town, and we've had a chance to have him mm-hmm. in studio and such, and just a, just a delightful man. So uh, we, have, we have a lot of good books come across. You yeah. know, you notice that today, too. Yes, we you do. Know, very, very good and enlightening books. It's that time so. of year. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's, and it's nothing wrong. We, I hope we don't get away from reading good no. books. No. I agree. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. You can join us back again on Monday. Uh, We have a great lineup for you uh, on Monday. We have events in our listening area. Shannon Eaton joins us from Woman's New Life Clinic. She'll be giving us her update. Alan Migliorato with Adventure Catholic and Failing Forward. We'll talk about raising Catholic teens. And Dr. David Whitten from Frainu in Baton Rouge will also be giving us an update. Have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.